your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm jumping straight into this intro because I just recorded a very long, personal, vulnerable intro, and I was so ready to plug it in and edit it, and it told me my microphone was never working and it didn't record any of it. So that's just lovely, and another lesson in not getting cocky when you are edi- when you are audio recording, always test your audio and microphone. I got cocky tonight, and it proved me wrong. It taught me a lesson. So it also is a reminder to stop doing things last minute. I've been very much trying to learn systems and structure and organization. And I've been doing this podcast forever. And for some reason, I always do these intros and outros at the last minute. I think it's because I want to do them so fresh and live to give you a real time recap of my week. But it's actually cutting it a little too close. So that's going to be changed. And that's something I'm really working on with my VA is 2022 structure systems, things to get me out of a procrastination station because that's where I live a lot. So yeah. So if you're wondering what the hell my other intro was about, I will tell you, I've been doing a lot of life updates in the beginning of these episodes. Well, let me rephrase that. I used to And then in the last few weeks, I think I've just been honestly overwhelmed with my life that I'm like, I don't even know how to condense this down to an intro. I'm just going to do solo episodes. So that's why I've been doing some more solos here and there. But we're going to get into some of my personal life today in this intro. And the podcast, you're going to hear more of it because this is a very different podcast. I am repurposing an episode that I was a guest on, on the Lit AF podcast with Sarah Cohen. So I've never done this before, but it was such a fun, incredible conversation. It was really genuine. And I just felt like the questions Sarah asked me and the vibe we had, it was so fun that I was like, I want to repost this on mine. She's like, yeah, of course, let's do it. So we're talking about a lot on this podcast. We go through manifestation and what I think it is, where I think the word got misused and started getting a really weird meaning. I talk about methods that I use. I also talk about building my business, traveling, surviving the pandemic, my eat, pray, love journey after my breakup, leaving Germany. I mean, we talk about a lot. And then we even get into human design. And I talk about how being a reflector makes me feel like I can just wear all these different hats. I love to blame everything on labels. I'm like, oh, I'm a reflector. I'm a 6'2". No, no, no. I'm an Aquarius sun. (laughs) Yeah, my north node's in Capricorn. My moon is in Virgo. Like, that is me. I am like, yep, that's my labels. I'm blaming the planets. I'm blaming this archetype. I'm blaming this system. So we really talk about that in this episode, which is super fun. And then fresh manifestation tips. So if you're wondering how I manifest, it's, I think you're kind of going to be shocked about the way I manifest because I feel like I don't have a framework. And I admit that in this episode, I'm like, I feel like that's why I stopped talking about like how I manifest specifically so much because it's not a process that I recreate over and over and over again, because it's different every time. And so we talk about this in in this episode as well. So if you want to go check out Sarah's podcast, it's Lit AF. She has incredible people on and she's so much fun. So go support her. So like I said, we're hearing more from my end and 
I don't know. I'm excited about it. So I hope you love it too. So what I talked about in the intro that got completely obliterated by not being recorded was my life updates around dating. So you know how last week I was like, I'm not dating. I'm going to just take a break, focus on me. I need to pour, you know, back into my own cup, blah, blah, blah. Well, that did not turn out to be what I thought. (laughs) I ended up reconnecting with someone that I knew before I moved last weekend. And then we had fun and we had a date set up this week. I ended up getting sick and I got put on antibiotics in the middle of the week. So we had to reschedule the date. I had a throat issue. And so I was like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I'm not going to go out and get someone sick and I can't barely speak. I'm surprised I can do this intro, to be honest, but they gave me like horse tranquilizers basically as the uh, as the medicine. So that's why it's working. But my whole point is we went to reschedule this date and he hasn't answered yet. And this spiraled into my anxious attachment style flaring up. And this is not fun for me to share because it's something that I'm not, I don't necessarily love it. You know, I don't like admitting this at all. And I think it surprises some people because I'm not like this with my work. A lot of you know me from this podcast, which is very much an extension of my work and my travels, which are things I feel completely confident in. Like I feel so confident in talking about them and helping people with that stuff. And even with taking feedback or criticism. So if, you know, a client writes me that they don't want to renew with me or they the testimonial isn't exactly what I thought or they didn't enjoy something with me, I'm actually really good at taking that feedback and being like, I understand. I wish you the best. You know, good luck. I don't have any hard feelings about that. And I'm always confident I'll find a new client if something goes wrong or if I need to you know, if I fail a launch, I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop my business. I know I'll have a better launch. So it's really weird that when it comes to my dating life, it's actually the opposite. I kind of have a scarcity mindset around it. I'm not going to lie. And this is the stuff I talk about in therapy every week. Shout out to BetterHelp. P.S. DM me if you want to sign up for BetterHelp. I have a referral code. So support your girl and support therapy by getting that referral link. And yeah, I talk about it with my therapist every week and I'm sure she's like, how are we still talking about this? I feel like I've been talking about it for months and months, but if you're unclear what anxious attachment style is, it comes from this theory called attachment theory and attachment theory has three separate attachment styles. I actually think there's four. There's one that there's another one, but it's very rare. So there's anxious attachment, which is what it sounds like. You need a lot of reassurance, a lot of validation you want to know, you kind of want to control what's going on. You overthink everything. You're like reading into, you know, what words they use, what emojis they use in what order, how many hours did they take to respond? Did they, did they like your heart emoji? Did they respond to your IG stories with a fire emoji or a heart emoji? Like this is the level of stuff that we deal with as anxious attached people. Secure attachment is what it sounds like. You're very secure in your relationships. If something is bothering you, you bring it up in the moment in a calm, clear manner. If you see your partner is annoyed or frustrated, you try to understand their point of view by bringing it up. You're very comfortable avoiding, excuse me, uh, very comfortable confronting people and having direct, clear communication. And then avoidant attachment is also what it sounds like. You kind of just avoid it. You avoid confrontation. You avoid having any kind of vulnerability being shared. You avoid you like to process things on your own. You want to shut down. You don't want to talk. You want to go to another room. You want to leave the house. It's what it sounds like. You're avoiding things. 
So I never thought I was an anxious attached person because like I said, I don't feel that way in work or traveling or anything. I don't even think I have anxiety. I've never said that on this podcast because I, I know I don't. The way people describe anxiety and anxiety attacks, I don't have that. So when I heard about anxious attachment, I was like, oh, that's obviously not me. I don't, I don't have anxiety. However, as I started learning about anxious attachment theory and the attachment theory in general from books and podcasts and people and quizzes, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. And it's become very apparent in the dating scene. So if you're new around here, I went through a breakup in summer. Um, I got back in the dating scene a few months later and that's just me being 30 years old and trying to, trying to really understand that dating is a skill. This is something I'm learning. And it sounds, if you're listening to this and you're like, what the, obviously it's a skill. I don't know for me that just clicked in year 30 of my life that this is not something you just like are supposed to figure out by nature. Like you need to learn interrelational skills and learn how to have conversations with people and be direct and speak up and ask for what you want. And those are skills. Those are things you have to practice. So dating for me was mostly trying to practice that. I felt like something I bring up in therapy a lot is like, I don't feel like in partnerships and romantic ones, I'm good at saying directly what I want. And she's helped me a lot, realize a lot, like that's actually not true. There are a lot of instances where I've been very direct in what I want, but I just feel like I used to avoid conversations because um, it would bring up so much anxiety of what the outcome would be. And so the, the point of me getting back into the dating scene was like, I want to practice that. Like I want to practice being direct and asking for what I want. So I will give myself a pat on the back that I've been really good about that. I think I've been very direct in expressing that I want dates. I'm not accepting, you know, 12 midnight texts come through or what's up, I'm out, come come out, it's 1 a.m. Like, I don't do that anymore. That's who I was when I was like 25. I'm 30 now. I'm almost 31. And so I feel like I've been very direct with that. And even making the first move, I sent a pretty bold text two weeks ago with a guy that I was hooking up with. And I just said, hey, what's up? I think you're cute. We should go on a date. And he rejected me. He was like, I think you're cute too, but I'm not really interested in dating. And I'm like, okay, that's a huge blow to the ego. My ego gets so bruised when that happens. But when I can zoom out and process it, I'm like, well, thank you for being honest because now I don't have to waste six months wondering what we are. Or, you know, does he like me? Does he not? Is he interested? Are we going to go on a date? Like, no, that's it's cleared up now. I really had to work on therapy on reframing the word rejection into acceptance and closure. Like, thank you. That's a very clear answer. You know what I mean? And it's not easy, right? Like, of course, after that, I was like, okay, this kind of sucks. Texting my friends, texting my therapist. I don't, that's not the answer I really wanted, but it saves me a lot of time. Like, okay, I processed that for like two days versus six months if I got fully invested in this person and was trying to like move my life around or something for them. That wouldn't be fun. And this has happened several times. I've gone on, I've been in several scenarios since my breakup where I put myself out there and I've either been rejected or it hasn't panned out. We don't have the time to meet up. They've been, they've ghosted me, whatever the case is. And so that happened this week where something that was supposed to happen didn't happen and the communication isn't really there. And I'm like, I like spiraled today. And it was weird because I'm like, why does this happen? And I'm realizing it's, it's such a mix of things. It's like, it's this weird scarcity mindset of thinking, oh my gosh, there's, 
no one else out there. Like there's not that many good guys out there, not in this town or not where I'm from or not where I'm going. And you start to think, well, you know, I just need to accept that there's only, you know, X amount of good guys in the world, which is just so silly, right? 7 billion people in the world. And I'm almost positive just by statistically speaking, we are probably compatible with like minimum 5,000 people. I'm really not kidding. <laughs> like out of 7 billion people, there has to be at least 5,000. If you don't believe that, fine. Let's say a hundred. There has to be at least a hundred people that you're compatible with. It's like logically speaking and rationally speaking, I know that. You know what I mean? Like I know if I moved to Spain, I could probably meet 10 guys in the first month there that I'm compatible with. If I moved to Mexico, if I moved to New York, but for some reason when I'm home, it's like that mindset goes out the window and I'm like, oh, there's only like X amount of good guys here. So when this, all these things aren't going the way I want them to, it makes me feel like I'm running out of options or like running out of time, which is so silly because I actually don't think I'm running out of time and I don't rationally think I'm running out of options. So that's why I get so confused with myself. And I had a total spiral moment today. Like, I mean, I was voice noting one of my coaches, talking to my sister, texting my friends. I literally was Googling articles about things like casual dating and like, what's the difference between that and hooking up and friends with benefits and um, what, you know, what constitutes as casual dating and what is a ghost or how many days is it between when you've talked and when you know it's a ghost, like spy roll. <laughs> it's actually really embarrassing for me to admit this. So I just wanted to share this behind the scenes because, you know, everything you see on social media isn't real or perfect. My dating life, I've been getting rejected constantly and it's a blessing in disguise because it's like, right, these aren't my guys. This isn't going to work out. But obviously when you go through a breakup and then you have a string of rejections, it doesn't really feel amazing. And so that's why I keep telling myself, well, just take a break, like go do something else. And I, it's almost like there's not really a break. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I guess a break would just be very clear if you meet somebody like I'm not looking to go out, but I am meeting people that I would go out with. So I'm like, I'm, I don't need to take a break. Like I want to see this person, but with dating comes rejection. There comes ghosting. There comes inconsistent communication. It sucks. And I'm like, well, that's what dating is, right? It's like, this is the world we live in. You pretty much deal with this until you get married. And even when you get married, there's still a slew of other issues that come up. So I'm just trying to build my failure tolerance muscle, as I call it you know, getting thicker skin, becoming more resilient, all those fun things. And I'm laughing because it's not fun at all. But my advice for this, and again, this is coming from a very non-expert opinion, like very, very non-expert, but is to A, get a therapist, B, fill up your days with things that you want to do or things that you necessarily wouldn't do with a partner or that you didn't do in your last relationship. For example, I'm going to like this peace meditation class next week. It's like an hour and a half with sound bowls. I would have never done that with my ex or any of the guys I've been seeing. I'm going to a chair dance class. Obviously wouldn't have done that with my ex, not like physically brought him there, but I don't even know that I would have taken that class if I was with him. I, I was even thinking I kind of want to take like improv comedy classes. I'm taking a writing course in the, in the what's it called spring, like just fill your days up with things and look forward to things. Make plans, even if they're small. Like today, I went outside on a walk over the bridge and then took this class that was super fun and connected with all these amazing women. And I'm like, yeah, this is the fun stuff. This is what it's, this is the stuff that I don't get 
sad about. You know what I mean? Like I have something to look forward to when I'm sitting in bed all day on my phone, scrolling, ignoring all responsibilities. That's when the flare up happens of anxious attachment where I'm overthinking absolutely everything and it's a nightmare. So try to avoid that. Try to like not lock yourself in a room and be doom scrolling and just hoping things work out. Like, no, go get busy and make time for yourself and friends. And if you're in a lockdown, because I am very aware a lot of people are, see what online communities there are. Online communities and memberships, I feel like have saved my mental health during this whole year. And find a cause. Like, I know it sounds so cheesy and silly, but for real, like my mom's like, Chelsea, I think you need to like (laughs) go play with a baby or an animal or something. And I'm like, I think I do. Like, I would love to babysit my friend's kids or go volunteer somewhere and like make a difference in someone's life instead of feeling bad for myself that like some guy I met two weeks ago didn't text me back. It's actually fucking stupid. So that's just me talking to myself, not you guys. I'm processing a lot. As you can see, this intro is like the longest one I've ever done. So yeah, that's my practical advice. If you want to learn about attachment styles, I think Truer Love, that's an amazing podcast. She's a coach that anonymously coaches, anonymously, that's a hard word, coaches on attachment styles. And she does that on her podcast. So it's really incredible to listen to other people's stories and realize you're not crazy and hear how she coaches them. And then I know the book Attached is really popular. Um, there's a bunch of quizzes online. I read about it a lot. Whenever I find an article about it, I try to learn more because it's fascinating to me because it makes me feel like I'm not absolutely insane. <laughs> that there are things I can work on, which gives me hope that like this is not something I just have to deal with for the rest of my life. So yeah, I know this is the longest intro on planet freaking Earth. So before I jump off, I just wanted to give another shout out to BetterHelp. DM me for a referral link. And open. That's the other thing that saved my life. Like without open, I'm not kidding. I would not have been able to get through my breakup. I was waking up with crazy, crazy anxious knots in my stomach. I was, I like was just having weird pangs of panic throughout the day. And I would throw on open and listen to a one minute meditation, three minute breath work, 10 minute yoga or Pilates class. And just that movement got me out of my body. Our bodies hold so much emotion. I'm going to do like a whole other podcast about what is stored in the body. But the classes on open really helped me move and move through that. And it's truly what helped me throughout this last six months and like navigating the dating scene, getting back on my feet and just finding some grounded, calm centeredness throughout it all. So be sure to check them out. I will put a link in the show notes for a free 30-day trial and stay tuned because I'm announcing something very exciting in the next few weeks in a partnership with them, which I think you'll love. All right. So now to wrap up the world's longest intro, let's dive into this episode where I'm a guest on the Lit AF podcast with Sarah Cohen. Welcome to the show, Chelsea Reif. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to chat. Yeah, me too. This is like, we're going to talk about Manifestation Day, which is like one of my favorite topics. It's going to be fun. Stoked. Yeah. Okay. So a short intro on Chelsea. She's a mindset and podcast coach, and she's the host of In My Non-Expert Opinion Podcast, which is amazing. Highly recommend listening. And today we're just going to talk about like how you built your business how you use manifestation. And then we're going to talk about this like eat, pray, love journey you've been on, which I'm like 
so pumped about. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, so first I wanted to like get into kind of the definition of manifestation, what you've seen the word mean recently and like what doesn't it mean? Oh my gosh, this is my one of my favorite questions. So to me, in the most basic definition, it means to bring a thought that's in your mind into reality. So literally, if you thought about doing laundry today and then you did laundry, you manifested doing laundry. Mm. If you thought about recording this podcast and then you set it up and now we're recording, you manifested this podcast. So I think in the last year, especially during the pandemic, people started using the word to mean something different, almost as if it was like a business tool or strategy or like a hack or something that you could use in your life. And I'm like, you're actually always manifesting. Like right now I'm manifesting what I'm speaking. I'm man again, we manifested this podcast interview. So when people are like, oh, I'm using um, manifestation to do this, to me, it doesn't make sense. It's almost like saying I'm using breathing to live my life. It's like, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> like you're breathing. So that's how I think about it, which we can get way more into. But the simplest definition is to bring something in your mind to reality. I love that. I love that. I almost cringe when I hear the word manifestation now because it's been co-opted really into this like glam business strategy. I love what you just said about that because it's <laughs> it's what we do every day for sure. And I think that like using it consciously is the the switch. It's not necessarily like this is going to bring in all that money that I've always wanted. It's like, no, now I'm actually consciously bringing the things into my life that I do actually want. Yeah. I love that you made that point. It's like being more present with what you want to bring into your reality. A lot of us live in autopilot, especially yes. in North America. It's like, oh, wake up, work, watch a show, eat dinner, go to bed, maybe take a vacation, maybe hang out with friends. And you just live that way. And you're like, hopefully one day life gets better, where I feel like the positive side of manifestation was like, oh, wait, I could maybe like put a picture of a car on a vision board and like really pay attention to how I could bring that car into my life. And oh my gosh, six months later, now I have that car. It did allow people to become more mindful and present with what they were creating. But to your point, there was also this weird thing that happened with the word where it almost started to mean being rich. Like that's yeah. how I feel yeah. it got kind of totally, yeah, like totally mixed up with like, oh, you should learn how to manifest abundance. And then people just started using abundance with being rich instead of like, what about being abundant with your health, being abundant mm. with the way you greet people with your energy. And then again, manifestation and abundance basically became a business strategy and how to be rich. And I'm like, mm. what happened here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go? Like, yeah, I missed like, you. I, like, yeah. literally what happened? And I think it's because and this is an interesting observation is I started actually teaching about mindset manifestation in the beginning of my journey. And I was learning from other like manifestation coaches. And what I saw was there was a really common theme, like all their graphics had money in the background and Chanel bags and Range Rovers mm. and G wagons on their vision. board. Like they would share their vision board and it was all the same thing. And so I think mm. people started to get, get confused of like, well, I must be manifesting quote unquote wrong if I don't have a G-Wagon on my vision board. And I would actually hear this from clients. I would be like, wow. let's make a vision board together. Let's make, you know, what you want to accomplish in the next year. And they would tell me it's not that good. Like my vision board's <gasps> not that good. Oh and my I was God. like, 
I was like, wait, what do you mean? Can you qualify a vision board? Yeah, they're like, I don't know. I just put like plants on it and I put a picture of the sun and like a Pilates thing because I want to do Pilates. I was like, that's incredible. And they're like, oh, well, I I thought I like should be putting a mansion on there. And I was like, oh, this is what I mean. It got very confused with, oh, just being incredibly rich and you have to have like luxury items on your vision board to be manifesting. Mm. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, that makes me so sad. And it's interesting because I feel like the vision boards they were probably bringing to you were like the most authentic versions of themselves. Yes. I remember one girl showed me a picture of dogs walking. I was like, oh, do you want a dog? And she was like, no, I just really want to volunteer walking dogs. I think that would be like really fulfilling to me. But and then she said, like, I know it's not that good. I'm like, what? Like walking dogs to fulfill you is such a nice purpose to have in your life. And the fact that you're comparing it to someone's vision board again that had the villa and the Ferrari is this is why I think people started to get confused on what it was. Mm, Wow, that's so sad. Well, here we are to set it straight. (laughs) Yes, we're going to get back on track. Yeah, we are. So how did you find, I would love to hear, like, how did you find manifestation and what was the moment where you were like, holy shit, this is real? Yeah, I would say a lot of people found it with The Secret. I think it was like Mm -hmm. the book first. And I was like, what is this all about? I don't even know that I read the whole book, but I read enough pages to like understand the gist of it. And it kind of clicked. Like you said, it's really just being present with what you want to create. So I probably found that around like 2015 or 2016. And then I would say I started really noticing it was real when a friend at work, she was talking about it too. And she would do very specific things. We were both in sales. And so she would like write her quota on the wall, like in front of her, we had uh, whiteboards. So she would like write it in front of her and then she would like hit her goals. And then she would be like, I really want to call in this brand. And then the brand would like end up working with her. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, let me give it a shot. And I noticed when I was much more intentional with this is how I'm going to hit my quota. This is the brands I want to work with. It started working out like contracts were coming in like really easy, not a lot of legal back and forth. And I was like, this is pretty cool that when I'm more mindful and observant of what I'm doing, things do come to reality. So then it just became kind of like a little practice I would do even during the day of like, it wasn't, it sounds silly to say it out loud because it sounds like I was doing magic tricks or something, but I was yeah. like, I wonder what if I could like manifest, I don't know, a, a free cup of coffee or, you know, a free train ride or something. And then sometimes it would happen. Like I would be in line and someone be like, you know what, I, I'll grab your coffee or get on the train. And they'd be like, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know what it is. It must be the way I'm presenting my energy. And I will say, I think the biggest shift was noticing that was it. Like the way I came to situations with the thought of like, okay, manifestation is a concept that clearly is real. It shifted my energy to be one of being open and kind and present versus like aggressive or like someone owes me something like I better manifest a free cup of coffee today. You know, like it wasn't like that energy. And that's when things, again, just started to, I hate to use the word flow, but like it did start feeling like it was more easy and things weren't as hard. And I noticed people would always tell me, you get so lucky. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. Like I would almost miss a flight and the flight attendant would be like, don't worry, we're going to hold the plane for you for no reason. It was just kind of like, I think it's because I was nice. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. My energy Mm -hmm. was like more kind. And then I would have a friend that I would travel with and somehow 
she would always miss her flight. And she's like, I don't get it. Like, how do they always, you never end up missing flights. And I always do. I notice, oh my God, well, she's always talking about missing her flights and how mm. the flights, flight attendants must hate her and the airlines suck and da da da. And then she would always have an issue and she would make a joke like, here we go. What's going to happen at the airport today? And that's <gasps> when it really clicked. Like, oh, she's always talking negatively about it. And so something negatively is kind of manifesting itself for her where I kind of assume, I almost make this assumption that things are going to go well for me today and then they always did. So it was definitely like a slower process of realizing it throughout the years of how intentional I could be with it. But it was really cool to make those observations in my own life. That's wild. Wild. It's almost like she was speaking those situations into existence. Yes. And and you were as well. Like <laughs> literally, like that's when I found the power of language and that became something really important to me was like speaking out loud, I noticed that when I would stop being like so self-deprecating, like, yeah, it's funny here and there, but you know, if someone gives you a compliment not to be like, oh, this old thing, cheap as hell from the back rack of the store. It's like, that's actually kind of discounting the compliment they just gave you. And I yeah. noticed the power of language so much so when, yeah, that girl specifically would be at the airport missing her flights or her bags would go missing or she'd get in a fight with the like check-in attendant. And oh I'm God. like, what is going on? And it was like, wow, yeah, she was like speaking that into existence. <laughs> You're like literally, I'm imagining you dealing with the exact same people, just having like the complete opposite experience. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, why don't we like upgrade? You know what? Why don't you get the front of the line? Or like, and I'm like, this is very interesting because <laughs> if anything, like she made more money than me. She had more like status than me, but it was again, mm -hmm. like the energy she was giving off and the way she was speaking about these situations became pretty clear why all these kind of negative things would end up happening to her. Mm. And and just to be clear for anyone listening, Chelsea just put air quotes around the word status. I <laughs> just want to make that distinction. Yeah. I was like higher title, probably had like a higher, you know, credit card status, like this and that. But again, it just shows you like the people can read energy. And I feel like hers was always 100%. very like, you owe me something. I'm like, you need to make this work for me. And people could read that. You did say the word magic earlier. And I've, I've often heard the word magic associated with manifestation, especially for people that are just getting started. And I'm curious, like, what do you think if you had to define that magic, what would it be? Oh my gosh, this is a good question. For me, the magic is almost just being like present and noticing how joyful life's moments are. And I feel like that sounds like a Pinterest quote, but like it really is. <laughs> Even the word now still is kind of, to be honest, a bit like edgy for me to use because I am someone that grew up in a very average, practical, logical home. So to even get into the world of like manifestation and spirituality and energy, it wasn't different. Like my mom is very much like that too. But to say the word magic, like my mind immediately goes to magic tricks, like Hollywood magic and magic, you know, now you see it now you don't because that word used to hold such a different meaning for me. So now in the present day, like I remember we were talking before this call about my time in Australia. And in the pandemic, because I had nothing else to do, I just focused on like my mind, body and spirit. And I noticed that sense of magic and it almost is like synonymous with joy where I would be mm. so happy to just be like stirring my coffee in the morning and sipping it slowly outside and like so joyful to walk outside in the sunshine I'm like 
this feels magical. Mm, I just got chills. I love that so much. It's so beautiful. Slowing down to enjoy. Like the magic is the slowing down to enjoy the joy of the day. I love that. Yes, exactly. I love that. I'm on a similar journey, not in Australia, here in San Francisco. (laughs) But the other day I was driving to go meet a friend and I was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge, the iconic Golden Gate Bridge. And it was just like this like little trail of mist was like floating underneath the bridge. I've never seen anything like that before. And I was just driving and just being like, this is amazing. Where do I live? This, I mean, I've lived here for 14 years, but like, oh my God, you know, just like really taking it all in and like beholding the like beauty that was all around me. And I was like, oh, I've lived here forever and I've just really never appreciated it like this. Like I'm yeah. currently in the now, like you just said. And it feels yeah. amazing. It's almost like being present, observant, and mindful. Those mm-hmm. could be like the same things as creating mm-hmm. magic or seeing magic. Yeah, I love that. I love that. When I started first started manifestation, I was kind of in the camp of like, I need to manifest money. I need to like manifest more status. I need to manifest buying a house. That was like really important to me at that time. And two years later, I'm like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I haven't manifested like any of those things. <laughs> yes. It's so crazy that, yeah, you especially when you reflect when you're younger and you're like, wow, I thought by this point I would be married with a house and kids. And you're like, I don't even want those things. And I'm actually yeah. so happy that all those things didn't happen when they, when probably they weren't supposed to happen. When they weren't supposed to happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wild. Not at all what I thought manifestation was. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how did you use manifestation to start to build your business? Tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah. So my business, actually before it started out as mindset manifestation, it was yoga. So I quit my job in 2019 and I was getting paid very well. Like I had no reason to really quit outside of I was just not fulfilled anymore. So I quit and I had had my podcast at that point for probably two and a half years. And mm-hmm. I I was loving it. I loved the podcast. I feel like that was my creative outlet. That's what I love doing. So when I quit, I was like, I'm going to do something with the podcast. I don't know if it was going to be to join a network or start a network or monetize it or something. But I was like, I'm going to do something in the world of podcasting, get to Australia, end up partying for six months and traveling and meeting all these people, did not do anything with business. And actually during that time, I got my yoga certification. So fast forward to summer, the pandemic hits and I have nothing to do because we're in a lockdown and I'm like, I need to make money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I need to make money. So I started just thinking of anything I could monetize, which was podcast editing, helping people create a podcast. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to teach yoga online because that's what I have a certification in. So I started teaching yoga online every single week. And I got a little delusional with it where I was like, I'm going to start an app. I'm going to start a membership. I literally was talking to a PR agency to like get me in magazines about my potential yoga app. Like it was crazy that I like I'm <laughs> laughing that I actually thought that that's how big I was going to take it. So I didn't even love teaching yoga that much. This was also the height of I don't know if you remember in the pandemic when all these fitness influencers would go live and people would be Venmoing them because of like mm-hmm. their free time. And then all these people started blowing up because of at home workouts. So I was very much like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the person in Australia that has this incredible yoga app and platform, whatever. Three weeks later, I was like, I don't even think I like teaching yoga that much. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) And I think I'm just going to focus on maybe once in a while teaching private clients, but this is not going to be my main thing. 
And then I was sitting outside journaling and like doing a meditation. I like will never forget this moment. This thought hit me like a bolt of lightning where I was like, wait a second. People always come to you for like, how did you get this thing? Why are you so lucky? Why do like, how did you even end up here? And I was like, this has all been because of like my mindset and the way that I carry myself and the way I look like I'm very optimistic. And I was like, I could teach people about this. I could teach people the power of being intentional with your thoughts and optimism and manifestation. But what's interesting is I like didn't know the world of coaching. This was just last mm. summer. And then it also kind of like got thrown in my face with this flashback of like, what do you mean you don't know coaching? You've had coaches on your podcast. And then it all kind of like hit me. I'm like, wait, I, I literally have had manifestation coaches on my podcast. I've oh my talked to coach. I've talked to health coaches. I've, But I don't know why for some reason I didn't register them as coaches. I think I was registering them as influencers. So mm. then it hit me. I'm like, well, wait a second. Who was that one girl? She taught about manifestation. That one talked about mindfulness. Like, that that's clearly a career. So then I started diving head deep into like, what was coaching? Is this something that I could really do? Or, you know, is this anything that you can even teach long term? Is it going to be like one course, and then I'm just done teaching? So the summer I was experimenting with all that stuff. Eventually, I enrolled in a course on how to create a course, because I was like, I don't know how to put together a course. And then I created a course that was really focused on like mindfulness and manifestation. And each week we learned about journaling or meditation or vision boards. And it was so much fun. It was actually my, like to this day, my best launch. And then after that, I was like, okay, this is real. Like I just had so many people sign up. Clearly people are interested. And then I would have people at the, the end of the course being like, how do I continue working with you? Like, is there an option to work with you in a different way? And I was like, I guess I'll do private coaching. So then I started teaching people privately. The ball kind of got rolling from there where I'm like, okay, this is a thing. I can teach courses wow. and workshops and private clients. I can talk about this on my podcast. I could create digital products. So it kind of like in a way happened by accident because it was never like, I am going to be this type of coach and here's what I'm going to do. It just kind of all clicked. And then as I started doing things, more things would get revealed to me and uncovered of like, okay, yeah, you could go down this path and this path. So that's how I got started. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. Are you into human design at all? Oh yeah. I'm a 6'2 reflector. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. I was going to say you're doing a lot of responding, which I love. (laughs) I know. When I found out about being a reflector. It was interesting because earlier that summer I had been in this like mini mastermind with these girls. I put quotes because it wasn't a paid thing. It was like four friends that were like, we're all trying to start businesses. Let's like chit chat every week. And I truly, I'm telling you guys, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I don't understand how you get someone to sign up to work with you. Like, do you send them a Calendly link? Do you just email them and then they Venmo you? Like I had no idea about the back end of business or anything. I was like a baby. And so then fast forward, when my first launch did really well, I was getting private clients. I met with those girls again and they're like, wait, what happened? Because last time we (laughs) talked to you, you like didn't even understand like what a payment processor was. I was like, (laughs) and then my friend was like, I think it's her human design. And then I got like deep in the rabbit hole of human design. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, this actually does make a lot of sense, which is really cool to like tie it all together. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, well, reflectors are like really mirroring the rest of the world. So thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have a hard job and you're doing yes. great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I know, it's, it's interesting wild. that 
I read about it and it's like one of the things about reflectors is like reflecting the health of the community. So that's why my programs now are kind of always changing because I'm like people change. Like now I feel like a lot of people in my opinion are getting stuck in their self-expression and creativity. So my next program is around like self-expression and creativity. And I'm like, sometimes it makes me feel like wishy-washy with my offerings because I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not teaching what I was teaching last summer but that's when I own my reflectorness where I follow all the reflector accounts on Instagram. And it's like, you're a chameleon. You're supposed to change every day. Your identity always changes. And I'm like, yep. I always update my Instagram bio. Like every two months, I'm always changing my offering. So I'm like, if anyone thinks that I'm being wishy-washy, I'm like, no, I'm a reflector. (laughs) I love that. Full permission to do all of that. I love that. Uh, that's cool. Okay. So how did you use the tools of manifestation while you were starting this business? So while I was starting this business, I think what really helped me was being pretty crystal clear on how I wanted people to feel and how I wanted to feel when they worked with me. And I did make vision boards. I was like, okay, like, what is this going to look like? What am I going to feel like? That's what I want. I wanted my vision board to feel like a feelings board more than a vision board. So that's what I really focused on, like sunshine and being at the beach and like taking vacations and just the feelings of like the energy I was trying to bring into my programs. So vision boards were super helpful. Journaling, even writing out like I want to call in 10 people into this program instead of just, oh, I hope this goes well and the launch goes well. I was trying to get more specific. And I think that helps sometimes, not all the time. Apparently in human design, I'm a a specific manifester where I need to be like very specific. I think sometimes that works for me and sometimes it doesn't where I do get very clear and I'm like, here's what I want it to look like. Here's what I'm calling in. Here's the price, da, da, da. And then sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I trust that this is going to go well and I can feel that it's going to go well. And sometimes it does. So I think it's kind of playing around with those two different like specific and non-specific tools. But This is the interesting thing of why I almost started veering away from teaching manifestation is I don't have a three-step process or like 10 steps to manifest. And people would ask me like, what are your steps? How did you do it? And I'm like, you know what it is? It's it's me being optimistic. Like that's all I can tell you. And that doesn't sell well. You know, people are like, no, no, no. What's the framework? What's the checklist? How do you do that? And I'm like, I... I actually don't do hypnosis and listen to binaural beats and whatever, you know, reprogram my subconscious with custom meditations, which a lot of people do those things. And I think that's incredible. Like sometimes I wish I had a hypnotherapist to help me with some of my things, but I think it was doing more of the inner work to be able to be so optimistic is what helped me start my business. So when I started it, like I'm thinking of my first course launch, it I feel like it went well because I was in that energy of like, this is going to go well. And I trust the universe that it's going to go well. And I liked to all those quotes, like the universe is rigged in your favor and like your success is inevitable. I was like, you know what? What, Why not try on that thought? Like, yeah, you know what? This is rigged in my favor. This is going to go well. This is going to be inevitable that it's a success. And then I think because that was my energy, people could read that and then it did go well. So I don't know I if that's a great that. answer, but that's that's my truth. <laughs> hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. 
Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to go back to vision boarding. I've never actually used vision boarding, but a friend of mine, I'm getting new podcast cover art, which I manifested. You're welcome. (laughs) And I was working with this amazing designer. Her name is Emily Reagan Byrne. She's a listener. Hey, Emily. And she gave me this amazing, just like outline of kind of all the concepts I was talking about, which was like sparkly and cozy and like friends talking in a living room. And she made this like vision board for the cover art. And I just got chills looking at the vision board because I was like, oh my God, you're visually putting together images of what I actually want this podcast to feel like. And it was like a rainbow of colors and girls literally sitting in a living room hanging out. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is it. And to see it visually was actually so incredibly helpful. So I'm really glad that you're bringing up vision boarding because it really hasn't been a part of my process. And I think it kicks in a different part of your brain. Yeah. That's the thing that like graphic designers listening are like, we've been vision boarding since we started. Like that's how you bring a vision and brand to life as you make like a mood board. So yeah, it's really interesting that that is actually a great example of they bring your vision to life through visuals. So it's like, obviously, you can almost apply that same thing to your current life. And to your point, I am someone I'm a Virgo moon and rising, I have a stellium and Capricorn. So I'm like very practical and logical, like I do need explanations for things. So when I started vision boarding, I'm like, yeah, it's cool to have all these visuals and feelings, but like, what is the science behind it? And I learned about confirmation bias, which means, you know, if you're like, why are there so many white Jeeps out on the street? And then you just keep noticing white Jeeps. It's like, well, no, white Jeeps aren't having a a surplus. Like you're just noticing it more. And that's when I realized that's the same thing with vision boards is, yeah, you're not looking at it every single day. Like, oh, I, I have a car on it. I better have a car tomorrow in my driveway. It's You just start seeing the car every day and it just starts to soak in your subconscious. And then you start almost subconsciously or consciously seeking out reasons to have that car. So this actually, one of my clients told me about this story where she did put a picture of her, uh, this car she wanted on her computer, like actually printed it out and like taped it below on her computer. And she just looked at it every day. And then again, you kind of just start noticing things of like, oh, wait, there's an ad for that car or whoa, I see, I'm seeing the car on the TV screen and someone's driving the car in my office. Like you just start noticing it, which is confirmation bias. Your brain is seeking out reasons for this to be true. And then someone in her work like noticed that that picture was on her desk and they're like, oh, we have this car that like my uncle has, he's trying to get rid of it or something. And it's credible shape, something like that. And then she like got the car and she said it was like two or three weeks later. And I was like, holy shit, that is the power of putting visuals right in front of you. I don't think if she had done that, she would have been as dialed into like the opportunities that were all around her. 
So this kind of goes back to that whole thing of being observant and mindful. When something is in front of you, you do become more mindful of how could I bring this into my life? I was just reading. Okay, let me backtrack. I was not reading Atomic Habits. I was looking at their Instagram. <laughs> I, and I was looking at a quote that they put on their Instagram. And he was talking about obvious cues of how he was saying like he used to put apples in his the bottom of his fridge. And he's like, I would never eat them because I never saw them. But then when I put the apples on the counter right in front of me, it was just habit. Like they were right there and I would bite into it. That's actually the same thing I think of vision boards. Like it's just an obvious cue. It's right there. So maybe you're not obsessively staring at it, but you're like, oh, well, you know, walking dogs or a car or my new podcast cover art is on here. Oh, wow. Here's a designer that's ready for me. And now I can have this new podcast cover art. I think vision boards are very underrated. And I think they got made fun of a lot where it became kind really? of this like basic bitch white girl. Oh, vision boarding. But I'm like, I I think they're incredibly powerful. I had one more story. Issa Rae from the HBO show Insecure. Everyone like loves her. And Love her. her. She said she created a vision board where she literally put like the network she wanted to be on. She wanted to write a show. She wanted to win an award. And like all those things happen. And she's like, yeah, I have a picture of my vision board I can show you. I'm like, Yes, these things work. Yeah, they work. I love that. She has it on her Instagram. Highly recommend looking yes. at it. Yes, she has it on yeah. her Instagram. It's so good. It's so good. I love that. And I think, too, that like literally the subconscious does speak in pictures and feelings. I've just been writing out my list this whole time, which is another great like somatic practice. But I think that the actual imagery can be like you're speaking directly to your subconscious at that point, which is really cool. Right. And I think it actually speaks to how people learn. Then this is why I started kind of veering off from teaching a like specific style of manifestation or what to do because I'm like, there are so many tools. Some people are more visual learners. So maybe a vision board makes more sense. Some people learn better through audio. So yeah, maybe a hypnotherapy or meditation would make more sense. Some people like reading and writing. So maybe reading a book and writing would make more sense. And they're all incredible tools. I don't think one is better than the other. Yeah, I love that. And it's like you gotta pra- you gotta see what works for you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta practice like, all of them. <laughs> exactly. Like everybody was raving about binaural beats and focusing, and that's the way to like get in the flow state to manifest. And I was like, I don't know why I feel like I'm gonna have a panic attack when I listen to binaural beats. Like <laughs> I hate them. But some people are like, This is my binaural beats playlist. You have to listen to manifest. And I'm like, you have to figure out what works for you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think I'm going to listen to that playlist. Thank you so much. I'm going to be over here manifesting in a different way. <laughs> yeah, like not doing it that way. Oh, I love that. Okay, and I also want to touch back on specific and unspecific. Is that right? Specific. Yeah, and like not. I guess like non-specific. Non-specific. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So for anyone listening, what, what these refer to are the arrows on the top of your human design chart. And I can't remember, but look it up. Like if it's left, I think it's non-specific, or if it's left, it's specific. And that basically is to say that you're supposed to like really be detailed if you're specific about what you're calling in. And I love that we're talking about this because I've had a lot of conversations about this within the community of, you know, do do you identify with that? And has that worked for you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on specific versus non-specific. Yeah, it is so interesting when I found out about it because I do have a friend that she's very specific. Like every day she writes a list of what she's going to do that day, but it's also like what she's calling in. Whenever she wants to find a new apartment, she writes down like 
glass windows by the water this and that like every little thing where it's very specific and it ends up working for her she always ends up like finding the perfect apartment at the right time or calling in the exact number of clients so I started being like well let me try that but for me I started to feel like that was limiting me where I'm like okay yeah I I could want the I don't know I'm making up the windows by the water but what if I end up closing myself off off to the opportunity that there could be a mountainside apartment that I actually like better but because I'm so focused on the beachside apartment that I'm missing out on I don't know a really cool apartment down the street with a really a group of creatives that I could live with and we could have like a really fun time so I started experimenting with again going back to visuals like visualizing the feelings versus writing down specifically what I wanted and for me I think that works better like I am Mm. a very visual person for example even even my Euro trip, which I know we're going to talk about, I could just visualize myself like being on a balcony, drinking coffee by the water, walking on the beach. And I want, I actually like really tried to feel that. Like, what would it feel like to have the ocean breeze on my skin and like a warm latte with delicious milk inside of it and like the sand between my toes? And then all of a sudden I'm in Spain doing that exact thing. So for me, I found the visual piece of like feeling the feelings really works better for me than okay, I'm going to go to Spain and here's exactly what I'm going to do and exactly the hotel I'm going to stay at and I'm going to spend this much money or call in this much money. I think it's just because also going back to like astrology and human design, I'm an Aquarius sun too. And I like to live in the fantasy and more like ethereal thing where I'm like, let life happen to me versus being so methodical about how I'm going to have this thing, which also kind of doesn't make sense because I'm a, like I said, Virgo moon rising and Capricorn stellium, but the yeah. feelings. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> you would think. I'm, like, I'm a Virgo and I'm, I have a lot of Aquarian friends because I think there's a connection there. But you represent both of those signs. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like the way that I, I've been getting like a million birth chart readings because I'm like, the, they almost seem like opposite energies. And what has helped me understand like how these work together is I can take like really vague esoteric information and then bring it down to make it really practical and digestible to understand, which isn't actually exactly what I do in work. Like someone will Mm. come to me with a podcast idea and they're like, I think I want it to be about spirituality, but like, I don't know, is that weird? And then I'm like, by the end of the call, we have their episodes planned, content pillars, when they're launching microphone recommendations. And I'm like, I don't know how I do that. And then I actually got a birth chart reading the other day and she's like, probably because you're Virgo moon rising, but then your Aquarius energy likes to disrupt and innovate. So you don't ever like, I never give the same suggestion to two people. I'm like, no, 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 you should do this. You should do like listener questions and you should do seasons. And that's where my Aquarian brain kicks in. I'm like, I love to innovate, 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 can't speak and be unique <laughs> and then like have fun and rebel a little bit, which is why I almost think that's when it kicks in when it comes to manifestation is like, I don't want to do the binaural beats. I don't want to make the list. I don't want to do it your way. Like I want to just feel the feelings and then use the very practical steps of like, okay, in order to get to Spain, I obviously need to book a flight, book an Airbnb, look up safe spots. Like obviously you have to take the action to get there. But yeah, I think that's how those energies tend to work together. I love that. That's like your Virgo kicking in being like, okay, let's action steps. Let's do it. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Oh, very cool. Okay. Let's get into the Euro trip. I want to talk about, we keep talking about it. So let's just do it. So you were recently, this is actually when I met, I think you were in Ibiza, Ibiza when we met. 
And so you literally describe this as like the middle of your eat, pray, love journey, which I was like, hey girl, how'd you manifest this? Tell me more. (laughs) So tell me about it. Like was your whole vision, what was your mood board behind this experience? Well, it's interesting is that specific journey, there was no mood board. It was like a breakup recovery trip that Mm. I turned into an eat, pray, love trip. But to backtrack, I remember in Australia to go back to like how I manifest and bring things into reality. People were like, I don't understand how you're just going to Australia and you don't have a plan. Like, what do you mean? How do you not know where you're living or what you're going to do? And I was like, I have, again, a visual that I'm going to be living by the beach or by the water. It's Australia. Like everything is beaches. And I'm going to be able to meet people that will have opportunities that I can work at. And I had no ego about where I was going to work. I was like, I don't care if I will have to work in you know, an ice cream shop or a, you know, bar or anything, like as long as I can support myself and be in Australia. So that trip specifically, I actually remember Googling what Sydney looked like and Bondi Beach. And because I was like, I want a visual of what it looks like so I can actually start to picture myself in Bondi Beach. And I remember making it my screensaver on my phone. I also made it the background on my laptop. So every day, again, goes back to the subconscious thing of like, I know what it's going to feel like because I'm looking at it every day. I think it starts to get a bit anxiety riddled when you're like, yeah, I don't know where I'm living. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been to Sydney or Australia. Like I had so many visuals. I even started looking up Google Maps in Bondi Beach and being like, what cafes are there? And like, let me get familiar with the restaurant names. And so when I got to Bondi, I was like, this feels weird to say, but it's almost exactly how I imagined because it is what I imagined by using visuals and street names. And like, I remember going to the Bondi icebergs. I'm like, this was my background on my screensaver for the entire year. This is how I feel like I manifested it. So the reason I bring that up is because I always knew I wanted to live in Europe at some point. I have studied abroad before, so I have done like Euro trips before. So I did know what like kind of again the visuals to tap into like walking in the beautiful alleyways and like having a coffee that's really slow and you're just enjoying it on a patio and so when I was in Australia I knew my step after that I wanted to live in Europe but I actually didn't think that was going to happen for two or three more years and then I always felt like I was in a date a foreigner just because of my travels I was like it almost just feels like that's what's going to happen and I ended up meeting a German Mm. in Australia And we kept talking and talking and he had to go back to Germany and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, have fun. I'll be in Australia. Hopefully if we ever reconnect, it's in Europe or something. And then I don't know, we kept talking and talking and my optimism again was just like, maybe this could work out. Like, and he was the same way. Like, why are we just giving this a shot? So then I ended up in Germany and it was like, it, it almost sometimes seems by accident, but then I'm like, it's not really like, I always had the intention to live in Europe. And I always thought I would date a foreigner. And now here I am. It goes back to like the visuals and the feelings. So when we started dating, the pandemic happened. And so obviously, we were in lockdown, like the entire year. But my hope was like, we're going to be able to travel, we're going to be on like scooters in Italy. I was always envisioning like swimming in the Almaty coast, and then like having a glass of chilled rosé on the beach. Like, I held on to that visual. Every day, I ended up making a little mini vision board on my phone, too, of like all the places I wanted to travel and then ended up breaking up, which is when I was like, okay, well, I'm not just going to sit in this apartment and like be sad. I'm going to go travel. And that's when the vision board kicked in. I was like, well, great. You can go to Italy and Spain and do all these things. So then I did go to Mallorca, Ibiza, Madrid, Barcelona. I started going everywhere. 
And so, yeah, it's like it, it was prompted by a breakup, but it was the vision I had for living over there for a very long time. And again, it kind of goes back to the visuals and the feelings. I think that's what got me to take that action was I knew I wanted to feel the sea breeze on my skin. I knew I wanted to speak Spanish. I knew I wanted tapas. So it's like, okay, now you take the practical action to get over there. Mm, that's wild. And while you were doing it, I'm curious, did you have any like, I always call it like this <laughs> backlash of up leveling. Like, did you have any like doubts or stories that you, that were like swirling in your mind where that didn't think that you deserve that or felt guilty for actually having it? I think in Italy, my sister and I were just talking about this last night that we were at this vineyard and we were on a wine tour and then it was in Tuscany. And then we were on this like hill and you could look out and see like all of these Tuscan vineyards and it's not like I felt guilty, but I actually felt like I was taking it for granted because I was like, oh, I was like tired and we were like, it took a long time to get out there. It was so hot in Italy. And so then when we got, it was the funniest thing, the way we got back to the train to get back to our hotel, owner of the vineyards, father, who's like this old Italian guy that couldn't speak any English, takes us in his little Italian convertible to the train and so now we're in a convertible driving back i'm like this is like a movie like what <laughs> how did this happen we're in this like gorgeous tuscan vineyard getting a ride from a local italian and his convertible i'm like this is the stuff you see in movies and i remember talking to my sister last night where i was like i feel like we like didn't really resonate with that moment like we didn't take the time to be grateful for how incredible it was to be in that moment at that time looking at this Tuscan vineyard, you know, having such a local Italian experience. And I do feel guilty for not being more grateful for it. Mm, wow. Yeah, that is so real. I mean, especially when you're in kind of like transportation mode, it can be a little hard to like soak everything in. Yeah. And we had been traveling yeah. like our, this is the thing about Euro trips and no one talks about is like, it's exhausting to get from country to country, especially if you're trying to do it a bit cheaper, like taking a train instead of a flight or taking a, you know, a subway or trying to save money on a hotel. So you have to stay a little bit out of the city. And we were exhausted from carrying our luggage around also, Europe is not known for its accessibility. There's like no <laughs> elevators or ramps or anything. So we were just so, so, so exhausted from all this travel that when this vineyard trip came, I was like, this is like movie like, uh, you know, scenes. But I feel like we're just kind of like, OK, we want to get home and shower and go to bed. <laughs> like we're so tired. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever felt guilty for having it. It's more of like I wish I would take more time to appreciate it. I appreciate it. Wow. And then how do you deal with that kind of residual guilt? I feel like now I have been thinking about this where I'm like, I almost, it sounds weird, but like to like process it and give it gratitude by speaking about it. And I want to like dedicate a podcast episode to recording about it. It's not anything other than to be like, okay, this is almost like giving it a, the proper attention it needs. It's like talk about it. I told my sister we should sit down and do it together and like cover all the details, talk about it, what we learned, what we, you know, what we wish we did different. And I feel like that's something that would help me feel like it is being more appreciated because I'm actually sitting down and giving it attention. I also have this random idea that I haven't shared with anybody to write a book about my travels, but make it fiction and make it a different character. And I think that would be a really fun way to kind of give it this attention and appreciation it deserves is like telling a story about it. 
So yeah, during my trip, I did start writing like little daily entries and I was really inspired. Do you know who Kat Marnell is? Mm -mm. She wrote this book called How to Murder Your Life and it's an addiction kind of memoir, but she's really funny and uh, quirky and I love her writing. She did a second book called Self Tanner for the Soul and it was a Euro trip that was an audio book and she did a daily entry of like what her day was like and she just lives (gasps) a crazy life. And I got so inspired. I was like, wait, I should do that. So I started writing daily entries. I never did anything with them, but that's how I feel like I'm dealing with the residual guilt of not taking it for granted. I'm like, well, you could still like give it a a new, I don't know, a new meaning or like a way to look at it from a different perspective by writing about it or speaking about it. That is so cool. I love that. So inspiring. Yeah. We'll see if I do anything with it. I really want to, but you know, time... Yeah, it's not time. on my side. Fucking time. <laughs> yeah, you know that thing that time I time is a concept. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a lie. <laughs> I need to manifest it. I'm like, I need to manifest writing this thing because I would love to to talk about it more. I love that. That sounds cool. And it also sounds like creative outlets are such a wonderful way to like process feelings and and to kind of honor um, honor experiences in the way that you're talking about. So I love that, even if it's not like you know, for publishing and New York Times bestseller right. list, exactly. which of course it is, obviously. Right, but like- <laughs> exactly. Like, it would be nice. But also now I'm I'm thinking too about how, you, going back to the question of like how I deal with the residual guilt, forgot to add like therapy. <laughs> like I go to a weekly Big therapist one. and I feel like therapy is also what changed my mindset into being able to be more optimistic and uh, change my energy around things, which I think I kind of leave out of the story a lot, but I'm like, therapy is a game changer. And when I feel guilty about something or need to work through like self-forgiveness, my therapist is incredible. So just like a quick plug for therapy. Thank you, therapy. We love you. We love therapy. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally the best. (laughs) Yes. I like look every week when I see it on my calendar, I'm like, thank God. Yes. I have my therapy appointment today. (laughs) It's like my favorite thing for real. I love that. Yeah. Yes. It can be, it can be challenging just saying, but very rewarding for sure. Yes. Yes. I feel like we covered everything on my list. Do you have anything else that you'd like love to talk about? You know what I do? It's about context and how I think that was missing in the world of manifestation where, Mm. you know, there's manifestation coaches that are like ready to manifest working only four hours a week, but making six figures a month and then they forget to add the context of I have a full-time team of 10 full-time employees and I actually have an accountant that looks at my numbers and this that and the other thing so then here come people like me in my first year of business being like why am I not able to work four hours a week and manifest six figures a month and it's like well, hello, the context is like, yeah, I don't have team members right now. I don't have people on payroll. I don't have a husband that invested in my company to help me get started. I didn't have the access to capital that some people have. And I feel like that's a really big piece in the manifestation world that people act like they just journaled their way to a million dollars. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, I wish people would add more of their story to how they got there and being transparent of like, yeah, I had to take out a loan or a credit card or my dad invested in my company or whatever the case is, because then people develop imposter syndrome being like, well, I'm a bad manifester. My vision boards aren't good or whatever the case is. And I'm like, 
oh, I just wish there was more context in the world of how people got to where they are, because then I think so many of us wouldn't be insecure or have imposter syndrome around our businesses. I'm so glad you said that. Like, even when you said context, I'm thinking like, they have a a email list that is the 10,000 people on it. Like, (laughs) right. Or they've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. It's like their first year was not actually six figures. It was like uh, they were probably close to filing for bankruptcy and then they got right. out of it because X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, yeah, everybody should struggle to get where they are. I just think when you see someone that's promoting, oh, four hours a week and I make six figures a month, it's like, okay, well, tell us. Like, what softwares do you have? How many team members do you pay? How did you get there? Like, how do you manage your time? Because that is all how you manifested a four-hour work week. It's not just like one day you woke up and started only working four hours. That that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I love that. I think I heard Tim Ferriss wrote the book, right? Four-hour work week or five-hour work week, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard him recently being like, yeah, I don't actually do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like. Tim. Oh my God. You didn't find that because I'm like, yeah, Tim kind of like, get, I mean, he obviously wrote a whole book of how he got there, but that's what I'm saying. Like somewhere along the line, people were like, I'm going to talk about Hyatt. I do the four hour work week. I'm like, again, you got there because you, you have team members that are doing other things for you. So you don't have to work, but you're not telling a lot of people want to look self-made that they did everything by themselves. And I don't get that concept. I'm like, it's okay to admit that you had help along the way, whether oh, it was an investor or a parent or a team member, like that helped you get to where you are. But I think there's this, you know, people want to look like I made it to the top all by my, myself. And then that gives everybody this illusion that you have to do it alone. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Like, I think we need to get away from, because even if you are technically self-made people, there were so many people that helped you along the way. Like it's impossible right. for that not to be true. Right. I'm like, even if it was a VA working 20 hours a month for you, like someone helped you get there. Right. I, I highly right. doubt you set up all the systems and accounting and social media and marketing. It's like, there are so many hats we wear as entrepreneurs that it's almost impossible to wear all of them as a master and get to that level of success that you see some people have. That we see. Yeah. And usually by the time we're seeing it, it's like so far down the line, <laughs> so far into their career. Right. But they don't talk about it. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. Right. And that actually brings up a good point of like the con. That's why I'm glad we talked about my Euro trip because it's, if you were to just look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, you took a fun Euro trip. And it's like, no, the context was I ended a relationship and I needed to get out of the apartment and like go travel and heal my broken heart. And I was using my credit card to travel and I was sleeping in hostels and all this other stuff happened while I was there. Like it wasn't just this like, you know, gorgeous Pinterest Euro trip. There were a lot of again nuances and details to how I got to that point Mm, which we don't talk about in social media for for good reasons I don't want to knock like how um, most of us come across in social media but it is interesting that like that's like one percent of the whole story (laughs) right exactly like if you looked at it you're like oh my god she had the best time of the euro trip I was like half the time I was like crying to my sister about my breakup so let's add that (laughs) into the mix because that's really important (laughs) <laughs> totally. I spent a year in Amsterdam. I got my master's there and it was so funny. It was it was so fun and it was like the roughest year of just like isolation and loneliness and being in a relationship that was like slowly falling apart. Like, you know, well, international travel, we'll just do that. And <laughs> if it's meant to happen, I remember, you know, it was kind of like right when Instagram had just started. And so I was like, you know, having fun, like posting pictures and just being like, here's me at the Eiffel Tower, like, you know, and everyone was just like, oh, 
it looks like you're just having the best time. And I was just like, actually, this is kind of the worst time ever. <laughs> like, not really. You're let me tell you about 90% of the other things that are happening here. Yeah. 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 So glad it happened. Like, really appreciate that whole experience. But like there was some like rough learning. Yeah. Rough learning experiences for sure. Right. <laughs> so and it's like it. and I the point I would love for people to make is when you see someone on social media or whatever it is and you're like, oh, well, how do they get there? They seem so happy and da-da-da. It's like, ask yourself, do I have all the context of this? Like, do I know how much support they have? Do I know? Also, a lot of people that are, you know, making millions of dollars work crazy hours. Like, I don't believe that people are just working four hours a week making a million dollars. My friend that had an incredible year has worked 14-hour days, seven days a week the entire year, almost to the detriment of her own health and relationships, but she's going to hit this big, you know, $500,000 mark. And I'm like, but again, all you're seeing is the money she's making, that she's in Bali, da da da. But you're missing the part of like, she's literally working her ass off. And Mm. if you don't ask yourself, what context do I have? You can start to compare yourself and put yourself in a really bad position. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I was just hearing from Steve Jobs's acupuncturist and he like, worked so hard. Basically, it was just like, you know, he died of, what was it, prostate cancer? And he worked so hard and died so young. And that by the end, it was like, he was just ready to go because he was like, burnt out. And I was just like, no one talks about that. No one talks about that. Everyone talks about the money. Everyone talks about the fame, the success, but no one is talking about like body health and Right. Mental health. Yeah. Like mental health, health, all that stuff. So that's what I, I definitely wanted to wrap up this conversation with like don't forget that everyone's story has context and nuance to it it's not all butterflies and rainbows and what you're seeing on social media i'm so glad you said that that's amazing uh chelsea this has been amazing how can guests follow along with you and tell us tell us about a bit of your offerings yeah for sure you can go to my website at chelsearife.com you can go to my instagram at chelsearife i have my podcast in my non-expert opinion i do a weekly episode i'm thinking of doing amping it up to do like two episodes every other week because I'm just like loving the podcast. Stay tuned for that. And then what I have coming up, I have the Creative Rebel Mastermind. Literally, that's where my Aquarian Sun and Virgo Moon Rising is like coming together because it's going to be all about self-expression and like meeting your edges to be able to be more of yourself. Because I I don't know if you feel like this, and maybe this is my reflector hat coming on of like seeing the health of the community, but I feel like everybody feels really disconnected from like what they're doing or their business or social media they want to hide they want to get off instagram they hate what they're doing and i'm like i think it's because you're not being yourself like you think oh because i'm a coach i can't show my funny side or you know talk about my sex life or whatever it is i have to stay in this box and i'm like this is crazy we're all so multifaceted why are we not showing that so the creative rebel mastermind is going to be exploring self-expression we're going to do a lot of stuff with embodiment I'm bringing in an astrologer to like uncover the birth chart secrets and see how that can help you. We're going to be doing like voice activation, writing, a lot of stuff to just explore your creativity. And then I do podcast coaching as well. So I love podcasting, as you guys can probably tell. I've been doing it for four (laughs) years. And so I help people launch their podcasts. I have private coaching available. And then I have a course called Mic Drop, which you can actually enroll in right now if you just go to my website. And there's monthly Q&A calls where people bring ideas, tracks that they want feedback on, just connecting on things with other podcasters and 
working through some of the mindset pieces that come with launching a podcast. So I do have that course. And then I will be taking on three private mindset coaching clients. So that was formerly like mindset manifestation. And now it's really focused on mindset of like very practical ways to shift your mindset. And uh, it's actually like being more optimistic is what I would call it. Mm. So you can find all this on my website and DM me on Instagram and I'm happy to chat with you more. Oh, I love that. And how do you spell your name? C-H-E-L-S-E-A-R-I-F-F-E, two Fs. Go find her, DM her, start a conversation. She's amazing. Yes. Oh, thank you so thank much. You. This is so fun. <laughs> so this is so fun. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Um, Like I said, Sarah is so much fun, such an incredible host. She was so genuine and you probably felt that through the conversation, which is why I wanted to repost this entire episode. I hope you learned a little bit more about me and my thoughts on manifestation and traveling and what I've been going through and so many other things. I know we covered a lot of ground, so let us know what you think. Be sure to go support Sarah's podcast, The Lit AF Podcast. Be sure to follow me at Chelsea Reif. Her Instagram is it's Sarah Cohen. And be sure to support our podcast. Leave a review, tag us in your Instagram stories, subscribe, share it with a friend who needs to hear it. We put a lot of time and effort into these podcasts and it's truly appreciated any action you take to share a review online on your Instagram, you know, sharing again with a friend. Those actions mean a lot to us. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this. DM me with any questions you have. And by the way, the link in my bio on Instagram, you can submit a question to the podcast now. So I always get questions from like the ask me anything episodes or even DMS. People will just be like, what's up? I need advice on this or this. I would love to address these on the podcast because it could actually help more people. I get a lot of the same questions. So not only can you leave a question in this form, you can also leave feedback, whether that's positive or you have a critique, let me know. So if you're like, I would love to hear more episodes on XYZ, or I have a guest that I really have been dying to hear on your podcast, And whatever the case is, if you want me to do segments, I'm really trying to get you all more involved because I've been doing this podcast for four years and it's so much more fun when I feel like everybody's getting involved, whether that's answering your question or doing a fun segment. Like I said, I would love to do a segment with my mom. She's hilarious. And now that I'm home for a little bit, she gives like pretty Hispanic mom tough love advice, but she's really funny about it. And she has a thick Spanish accent. So I think you guys would really enjoy her. She was on one of my earlier episodes, like probably one of my first 20 episodes. So go scroll to the archives and check that out. She is hilarious with her advice. So I, I'm just smiling right now because I'm like, I already know I need to do this. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, check out the link in my bio on Instagram, submit a question or your feedback and be sure to shoot me a message. I love talking to you all. By the way, if you've been wanting to launch a podcast, one-on-one podcast coaching is open. So I have four spaces open right now for 2022. I'm collecting deposits now, and then we'll start your calls in January. So if you've been wanting to launch one or you have an idea and you're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a name. I've been brainstorming and I can't think of like the content I would post or I want to do it. I'm just scared I'm going to run out of ideas or people aren't going to listen. There's mindset coaching involved too. So a lot of my podcast calls will talk about the tech and the back end and content strategy and all that fun stuff. But we'll also go through some of those fears that you have. Like, I'm scared if I say this, I'll get canceled. Or I feel like literally no one's going to listen except my mom. We will talk about all that. So that's why I'm bringing mindset coaching into this. And that's why I call myself a mindset and podcast coach. 
because I know that there's both pieces involved. So if this sounds like what you've been looking for, you can head to the link in my show notes where there's an application or on Instagram at Chelsea Reif. There's a link in my bio. So fill out the application. I'll see if we're a fit and then we'll get on a call and we'll start to figure out if this is your best next step. I'm so excited about this. It's my mission to help 50 people at minimum launch a podcast next year. So I would be so honored to have you as one of those 50 people that I help. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all so much and I will talk to you next week.